Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Good morning and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at working with local authorities and the supply chain to shine a light on best practice, how we can together tackle the challenges that we're experiencing in the sector. Today, I'm delighted to have the Managing Director of News Developments, Phil Mail, on to discuss development, the challenges, the opportunities and the great work that Muse is doing with local authorities across the UK. A bit about our guest, uh, 17 years with his current employer, Phil became the Managing Director in September 2023, having previously been the Managing Director for the North West business. Muse Developments are placemakers. They work in partnership to deliver brighter futures for our towns and cities. And I'm delighted to have Phil on the podcast. Phil, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just, just back from half-term break. So uh, uh, trying to cling on to the um, to the relaxation that I had um, abroad in Cyprus uh, without <laughs> in vain, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for asking. It's always the way, isn't it? You come back of holiday, the last day of holiday, you're like, you know what, I feel really, really relaxed. And then day where you're like, oh my God, but no, it's... um. No, it's why we go to work for. But can you give us a bit of background, please, as to, to what Muse fundamentally does and how you work with local governments to create beautiful towns and cities? Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, we, um, so so we as a business, we, we, we've been in business, you know, for 30, 40 years now. Um, and I guess as, as a property developer, and we, uh, we started life as a company called AMEC Development. So those who are familiar with AMEC, PLC were a part of that that kind of stable of, of companies, so outright property developer. I think pretty early on during that time, we started as a business, and it, it does slightly predate my time, but we started to look at place, not as we kind of refer it now to it now, we're more, more in a kind of, I guess, a grittier, for want of a better term, um, urban regeneration sense um, and the, uh, the, the the first scheme that we did that kind of fits into that mold was working with Manchester City Council the regeneration of um, Hume um, for those um, those of your listeners familiar with it um, and that kind of I guess started to point to the future direction of, of, of the business um, before that we kind of predominantly worked on if you like um, out of town office parks that sort of thing but I think um, we, we moved more and gradually moved more into what now is pretty exclusively an, an urban regeneration placemaking um, business. Now, <clears throat> I think we'll all be familiar with the fact that you cannot um, assert a place on people. Um, places are formed with and around people and you can only do that if you work with the representatives of the community, and as we know, the representatives of the community are uh, local and um, in its various guises over the years, but currently regional government in the sense of, of combined authorities. So pretty much everything we do 
is in partnership. Um, now, I um, I get a little bit frustrated with the use of the word partnership because I think it's an easy thing for people to talk about, but we genuinely do everything in in, in partnership, and it is always with uh, local and or um, regional government. So that's you now that's a, a gist of what the business is. It's a little known fact that when we were um, when we were we became um, surplus to what um, AIM at PLC wanted to do, which was focus on engineering. We, we were acquired by our fantastic parent company, Morgan Sindel Group. And the little known fact is obviously we had to change our name. And um, it was, I think it was done more over a, a number of Peronis than an than a international brand agency that um, the name Muse comes from mixed use, Muse. Um, and that again illustrates everything we do. So we weren't named after the band. The band actually, I think, came after us. Um, we were named after mixed use, and that illustrates what we do in place. I think. Well, firstly, I think maybe the the, the artist stole the name from you after that. But um, but going back to talking about partnership, because there's obviously a huge amount of conversation, not just in placemaking, but across the full of government spectrum at the moment. At the the solution to the challenge we face is to really embrace partnership and that councils alone can't deliver everything by themselves. In your opinion, with all your experience, what are the secrets to a successful partnership with placemaking? It's um, it, it's a question I get asked often. Um, won't, won't surprise you to hear. I think the first thing that I just want to clarify in in um, I don't think this is intended in your question, but can be taken by others as being that um, local government can't achieve what it needs to achieve on its own. There's almost become over the years a kind of an emphasis of it can't achieve it full stop. So almost like they say, well, we need to work in inverted commas in partnership with the private sector. What it actually is, what actually is implied by that is we'll, pa- we'll pass it over to the private sector that will fail that will fail because we cannot work um, as most partnerships cannot work in fact all partnership works if it's not a partnership of equals so that's the first answer to the point of the question but it kind of i wanted to emphasize the fact that unless we have a knowledgeable partner we are obviously in local government we obviously recognize that that's likely to be a resource HR particularly resource poor partner, um, but nonetheless, if it's a knowledgeable partner that know, knows what it wants, the partnership will work. So that's the first thing. There's this getting away from the fact that it's just an abdication of need because one partner can't deliver it anymore. It pushes it over to the other. That that fails. So it needs that. It needs a counterbalance between the two. And um, the second is, um, and it, this is going to sound a little bit glib, but there's no other way of, of describing it. It it needs to be a partnership of uh, openness and honesty and challenge. It, it can't again. It can't be this just idea that one party brings all the solutions and it's all written down in a typically eighty-page development agreement or partnership agreement that everyone rushes to to work out what to do next. That the best partnerships actually work where that document is there as a safety net, for want of a better term actually you very rarely go to it because if you think about um as an example i'm i'm sat talking to you today from our office in uh, salford just on the border of, of manchester part of the scheme we've delivered over um 
oh, coming up to, no, not far off, 20 years with Salford City Council. And if you imagine, and it's a, the regeneration of an area called Chapel Street, predominantly, which is the historic heart of Salford that had lost its way. This could be a whole podcast on its own, but it lost its way over a number of years through kind of social and structural changes. Um, uh, but if you imagine, when we signed that development agreement in 2006, December 2006 it was, if you imagine what's happened since. Within 18 months, we were watching Lehman Brothers employees carrying boxes out of the uh, building. We had the, the biggest financial crash since the um, depression. Um, we've had COVID. The words social value were never really uttered. Um, we've had um, now a spike in, in inflation. We've had things like build to rent were not a concept. Um, local government funding, something I'm sure will be more familiar to your list, most of your listeners than, than, than to me, is, is you know, nothing like what it was at that point. So if we'd have, if we'd have relied on that development agreement, Oh, and, and not not to mention, of course, things like little things like a, a war in Ukraine. If you imagine, if we'd have relied on that development agreement to help the partnership solve those problems, we'd still, you know, we'd still be in the starting blocks. So you, you cannot, you have to work together in an open and honest and challenging way to find ways past that. If you say, well, we can't do that because it doesn't say it in the agreement. It will, you'll never get going. So openly, uh, openness, honesty, and challenge. And I think the last thing is clarity, clarity of purpose. So what, what does each, and kind of linked to the first two points really, but what does each partner want to get out of the relationship? If you're very open and honest about that and very clear, I can, I can help um, solve a lot of problems as a private sector partner. There's some I can't, some I can't. Um, if I know what they are, if I know what, what somebody wants to achieve. And likewise, I've got, you know, I've got um, a parent company, I've got a business to run, and I can, there's certain things that are asked of we, us as a business, we cannot do. And I can explain that. And if both of you come with, um, with I, um, I think the term, Amy Edmondson uses the term psychological, so I'll coin the term psychological safety. If it's, I, I just prefer that you can, you know, you could, you could have a chat over a pint. If you can have that conversation, look, I've got a problem. What can I do about it? If you can both feel comfortable bringing that to the table, you've got the ingredients of a really strong partnership. So those are the things I would, um, I would, I would, I would suggest are important. It's great, isn't it? Because you know, when you go into a, an agreement with a council that you've not worked with before, you can say to them, "You need to do this in order for this to be successful," and you can reinforce it with the examples that you've had at Manchester yeah. and Salford and all the other yeah. councils that yeah. you've worked with across yeah. the UK. And just going back to your original point around that, yeah, yeah but absolutely, a council can't just offload its development problems onto a, par- a private sector development. But having said that, a lot of the councils that in my day job I interact with. Um, yeah. You know, you, you've, the scheme has to make sense and be feasible and wash its face commercially so that the private sector organisations can engage with it because there are limitations as to what uh, private sector partners can achieve. You know, there has to be, you know, it's the meeting of those premises, isn't it? Obviously, there's social value to the, the, the council to develop places to support the community and future proof it. But clearly, there has to be a level of profitability for it to be viable in the first place. Um, uh, yeah, to an extent, yes. Yeah, to an extent, but most of what we do runs over 10 to 20 years. So the example I provided you with, you know, the Salford example, and there are, there are numerous others, 
look, was marginal at best when we started. And things like how you improve values in, a, in an area off the low base at the same time as keeping the community happy and so you're not, you're not you know, bringing displacement and everything else, you cannot write into a business plan at day one. You cannot say, oh, don't worry, we're going to gain this so everything will be fine. So most times you actually enter into the agreement with a degree of uncertainty. Otherwise, it would be a process, not a partnership. Process is we start here, we make these widgets, we sell them and everything's great, isn't it? Partnership is, but we both believe this will work. We're both very honest about the challenges we have. Let's find a way of making it work and let's go at a pace that minimizes, not eradicates, minimizes the risk. The, the, the one thing, I think there's an important point you're making there as, as well in terms of um, the other things that come into the mix. So um, what I try to impress upon our team and our businesses, we're, we're relatively unusual in the um, in in general business terms. I'm not just talking about property. I'm talking about general business. If you if you think about kind of um, um, uh, business um, business kind of a, a business module at university, the very first lecture will probably talk you through a business cycle. So at one end you have a raw material in the middle. Yeah, so a supplier, a process, customers. That's a kind, of, and and whether that's information or something, you know, service or whether it's a a, a a product, an actual product you can pick up and all, it's the same thing. Um, we're different in that we have customers at both ends. And why why do we have customers at both ends? Because at the front end, what other developers might have a house builder for example might have is at the front end they've got a supplier i.e a landowner the transaction happens the land transfers off they pop they take the money land um, house builder has that land and then they move forward and um, we don't we have 10 20 year partnership with the owner of that land i.e the local authority and there are a number of things there's a customer expect from us other than, or alongside, not other than, alongside a receipt for that piece of land. So we have a customer there, and then we go through a process and we have a customer at the other end, i.e. the people who buy the houses that we develop or the, the tenants who take the office space or the, the pension fund. So we need to keep, we know we need to balance that as a business and we need to be always fulfilling the needs of our customer at the front end or we will never be able to fulfill the uh, produce the product to fulfill the requirements of the customer at the back end. Hope hope that makes sense. But it kind of hopefully illustrates the relationship we have with local authorities and and, and local government. We have a um, you know that that's a that's a relationship that and you know that goes on long term rather than a transactional relationship. Yeah, definitely. And I, I must admit, it, it strikes me with, with such integrity, the way in which you talk about the the business, the customer angle. It, it really is very impressive. Um, I think it's actually quite reassuring because a lot of the public, people listening to this at home, you know, this is the whole purpose of this podcast is to educate um, the public to bring awareness as to the challenges. And I think to hear that an organisation your size is so focused on partnership rather than profit 
you know, is 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 actually is 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 fantastic. What are the main challenges facing development at the moment in the UK? Well, uh, look, should we do another podcast again? Uh, <laughs> we'll do a separate one of that, shall we? No. Uh, we'll do a separate. I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, being flippant. The, um, the, I mean, there are always challenges, and they're, they're movable challenges. I think, um, I think the if I start at a macro level, very kind of, and, and work downwards, I, um, and I, and I, I say this with no, with no political angle, but. The kind of the shifting policy sounds at the moment, things like changes in infrastructure commitments, changes in in commitments or um, requirements around sustainability are unhelpful. And I say that without political angle in the boat, you know, a mayor from both the Labour and Conservative parties have made exactly the same point. So, you know, that that is unhelpful when you're making in investment decisions. Um, so some clarity and certainty over over that. Whoever um, will be in charge after the um, the next election is is something that any any business, not just development, will 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 will, will crave. Um, clearly, there are some things in in that macro environment that you know we have to uh, we have to recognise, but realise that we have to react to. We cannot influence. So things like. You know the knock-on effects of what's happening um, in Europe at the moment, in 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 Ukraine, the potential uncertainty around um, what's happening in, in in the Middle East, and I say both of those, recognising fully that they are bigger issues for the people involved, not some developer site in Salford. But it's just you know, it is as a business, it's some things we have to react to. But I, you know, but I, I wish with all, all my heart that they're resolved for those people, not for our business. Um, well, those are you know we have to kind of respond to those challenges, and then to go to I guess the the, the nub of it, um, at a kind of more, more micro level, there is um, there are the challenges that local government are facing. The you know I said before that we need a knowledgeable partner who understands what it what it requires. Now, to be fair to those, a lot of those partners, they then, but they, they have to have the people, they have to have the political leadership, the certainty, the maybe not necessarily the financial resource, although that would be nice, but at least not a concern that they are, you know, they are, they've got they're under real pressure, so they can't focus on what will help the, if I put it in business parlance, the bottom line. Um, and I, I'll come back and explain what I mean by that in, in, in a moment, if I may. But, um, but that's a real, real challenge, and I think um, whilst I understand um, that um, either uh, of any or any of, I should say, of the parties who may form the next um, government will have significant spending constraints, we have to, you know, we have to be realistic about about life. Whether how we got there is a different discussion, but we have to be realistic about it. Um, you cannot, you know, we can't, if we're going to regenerate our towns and cities, if we're going to level up in inverted commas, if we're going to, you know, um, create a better future for um, for our country, um, you can't under, you know, you can't under-resource um, local government. So th th those are our challenges. If, if I kind of just counter that a little bit with, um, albeit it's far from perfect, um, what I do see, and with with due apologies to our the, my colleagues in in our business who, who work in 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 the south, um, 
the devolution that's happened, particularly in, in Greater Manchester and, and the West Midlands, that that you, that really feels like it's it, it's taking hold and giving us some the, the certainty that I was referring to earlier and a more kind of joined up a, approach to securing funding for development, getting certainty over local prior, priorities, a focus on place, how Homes England is move has moved as a as an agency and to being about place rather than specific projects and outputs. They, they are, you know, they're positives in some pretty challenging uh, net negatives. And with those in mind, if there was, you know, if, if there was, if you were to prioritise what, you know, you'd bring out as well, would you say that clarity is the most important aspect, both in terms of policy and resourcing that would enable development to be not necessarily easy, but to facilitate developments that truly optimise the utilisation yeah. of space and to really breathe fresh life into our towns and cities? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you weren't, um, so I, I quite often, um, again, more to illustrate a point, but it's, but I think it's a fair illustration. When I'm, when I'm asked what I do, I, I'll, I'll say, well, I'm not a, a charter surveyor and developer, I'm a risk manager. So for every day, the first thing I do is manage manage risk. Manage, not you can never eradicate, but I manage risk. And no matter again, no matter what you're doing in 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 your life or professional career, risk is managed if you have greater certainty of what's in front of you. Um, so if I if I have greater certainty over what somebody you know what an authority requires and, and seeks then I have a choice then is it something we can support with support and we go all out because we know we've got clarity and certainty over what's required or we can say that's not for us with, with a degree of disappointment but we go look we can't help you with that but it, it, I'm sure there are others who can and that's that's what good good you know local leadership brings so examples in you know again where I'm sat at the moment, um, uh, obviously Howard Bernstein um, brought to Manchester. You always knew what the city wanted, and you had, it, it was with one voice. You could look forward and you understood where. You know, sometimes you didn't like it because it might not involve, it might not be supportive of a piece of land or agreement you had in place. But at least you could be certain you weren't doing doing it guessing whether it was going to be flavour of the month tomorrow. Same goes with Paul Dennett um, here in, um, in in Salford. So the same is is true of Andy Street in in in, in the West Midlands. Um, uh, so you know that that leadership brings clarity and certainty, which allows us then to help with people's um, uh, solve problems. It's interesting. I mean, like, you know, we talk about risk and it's a question that I constantly ask the people that I work with at a senior level. And you're right, you can't eradicate risk, but also you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, um, I don't know the, the right word to use of this, but you shouldn't be, uh, I don't use that word. Uh, you shouldn't let risk determine your path, but you should obviously allow risk to, to feature in so that you're not leaving yourself vulnerable. It's that really careful balance yes. of, you know, Correct. allowing it to optimise the best best decision. Um right. 
But that was look. This is this has been fantastic, Phil. It's been absolutely fantastic. I think for everyone listening at home, just to kind of see the genuine passion that you have and that your organisation has for truly driving best value, and to optimise the the kind of the the land and the options that are available to those communities. I think it's fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing your your vision and for your your personal views. And I, I really thank you for your time. No problem. You've been listening to The Truth About Local Government. Today, we've had the Managing Director of Muse to talk to us about development, risk, and how fundamentally partnership is crucial to ensuring that places are developed to their true potential. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give it a like, give it a share, give it a five-star review, and we'll bring you more episodes later in the week. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Remember, your local council does some amazing work, but you can help. So remember to vote and be engaged with the work they're doing. If you like this podcast, please like, share and give a five-star review. If you would like to feature on the podcast, have any shout-out of excellent work being done by a local authority, or have any topics you would like covered, please email me at truthaboutlocalgovernment.com at gmail.com truth about local government local government is at the heart of what we do